Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. And I hope you're all feeling good. I've been a little under the weather recently. Maybe you hear it in my voice. I apologize in advance for the nasally and like somewhat congested voice that you're about to hear. But I'm so excited to bring you this week's episode because when I first announced that I was coming out with a podcast, I asked you guys, what topics do you want to hear about on Instagram? And this was one of the most requested topics, postpartum nutrition. And I'm so excited to bring my guest to you today, Kendall Hitch, who talks a lot about postnatal depletion and the really common nutrient deficiencies that women develop both in pregnancy itself and then also postpartum and how that can affect us, not just in those initial couple of months after you have a baby, but for years after you have a baby. And Kendall is really such a wealth of knowledge. She's an integrative health practitioner specializing in women's hormonal health. She focuses on taking a natural approach to rebalancing the body by understanding the way women's bodies were designed to function. She works in a functional medicine practice out of New York as a consultant and has her own functional and integrative nutrition practice online. She is a certified integrative health practitioner with graduate studies in family health, nutrition, and environmental health at Purdue. She is currently pursuing further graduate studies in human nutrition and biochemistry. She lives in Mexico with her two children and instructs breathwork and meditation in her free time. Listen in to hear Kendall share how getting diagnosed with lupus changed her relationship with her health and made her change her diet and her lifestyle, what postnatal depletion is and how it's affecting moms today, what are the most common nutrients that get depleted in pregnancy and postpartum, how can moms support their recovery through nutrition, the interplay between postnatal depletion and postpartum depression, why it's crucial for moms to invest in their health, the importance of rest and replenishment postpartum, why the risk of thyroid issues increases after pregnancy, and so much more. I know you guys are going to love this episode, so without further ado, let's dive in and hear from Kendall. Welcome to the About Health and Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Allen, a recovered sugar addict turned certified nutrition coach on a mission to help women learn how to balance their hormones and optimize their fertility. On this podcast, we have conversations with experts about all things health, hormones, wellness, nutrition, and more to give you the information, tips, and tricks you need to take control of your health and feel amazing in your body. I am so happy that you're here and I can't wait to dive in. Hi, Kendall. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to to chat with you today. Me too. I'm so excited. And can you just start with telling our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into being a health practitioner? Yeah, absolutely. So my story, I think, is similar to other people in that I have my own kind of health journey that I've gone through for sure. And my original career path wasn't necessarily in um, a medical related field or nutrition. It was actually first in political science. Um, And I had these ideas that, you know, I just want to change the world. I want to help people in some way. Um, And I thought the way to do that was like these really big 
policy changes and these international agreements and like that's the best way to help people so I kind of had that idea going into college and um I had always had these like chronic health issues growing up so I had had like major digestive digestive issues since the age of four that got progressively worse as I grew up I had hormonal issues once I got into high school where I was put on birth control and I had migraines and I had mood issues. So I was put on antidepressants. So I had all this stuff going on in the background, but I had never really registered that as like a significant part of my life um, until I was in college. So I was like pursuing this goal of, I want to help people. I want to change the world, but I was progressively getting more and more sick. So because I was really interested in like international based stuff, I was doing internships abroad. I was traveling over the world and I was just trying to kind of push my symptoms away to say, look, we have to focus on this bigger goal. You know, the fact that you're now having like panic attacks and these huge mood swings and these digestive issues where you're going to the emergency room, we just have to like put that off. Right. So that kept going and going and going until I was about 21 where I basically had this huge hub crash. Like I couldn't eat anything without having immense bloating, immense pain, maybe just, you know, some applesauce or something like that. But oh my gosh, anything basically was causing me. Yeah, no, such intense pain. Um, staying up all night because of the pain, but also anxiety, insomnia. I hadn't had my menstrual cycle, my period come for two and a half years at that point. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty intense. And then one day I woke up and my neck was in so much pain. My knees were in so much pain. I couldn't move. I couldn't walk. So at that point I was working in Mexico, but I was like, you know what? I think I need to go and actually really understand what's going on here. And through that process, I eventually did get diagnosed with a few autoimmune diseases, the most kind of well-known being lupus. Um, um, and that was just kind of a turning point for me in my life because I started understanding like, what does it mean, you know, that my body is, is kind of shutting down and doing all those things. And what does that mean for my future if I continue like this, right? And what does that mean for all of these goals I have? Um, so that my own journey sparked my interest in looking for answers outside of just a prescription medication and you're going to get worse for the rest of your life. Um and from my own journey, that's where I spent so much time healing myself. I eventually decided, well, I think this is my life's purpose. Like, I think I have to help other people heal as well and get these answers as well. So that's where it all kind of stemmed from. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Really, it's amazing. And I think so many people in this space do come to it because they've dealt with their own health challenges and overcome them. And then when you go through an experience like that and you know what it feels like to feel really off or just be in so much pain in your body and then move into a body that feels so much better and is thriving, you want to share it with people. And I'm curious, like in your own personal journey, how did food and nutrition and wellness play a role in you getting from that place where you were like up in pain, up at night in pain and really not functioning to where you are now? So it was a huge um, process and it was multifactorial for sure. But I always say, yeah, the, the nutrition element 
was a huge foundation. Um, I think the mind body healing element was a huge foundation for me. Um, those were the two biggest I could say. And then there was some kind of like additional lifestyle things and shifts that were also important along the way, but those are probably the two biggest categories. So I will say leading up to this diagnosis and these progressive health issues, hormonally, digestive wise, I was definitely now looking back, um, falling into this trap that I think a lot of women fall into, which is, okay, what do I need to do to be healthier, to have this type of body that's um, desired by society or, you know, the best, oh, I have to exercise as much as possible and I have to eat as few calories as possible. Mm -hmm. And that was my philosophy for, you know, several years leading up to this diagnosis. So definitely the way I was living could have been considered disordered eating, right? Or an eating disorder. Um, I never registered this idea of like macro and micronutrients that our body actually needs those to function. The only idea I registered was how many calories am I taking in? Um, how many can I burn, right? By doing literally just going on the treadmill or whatever exercise, running. Um, it was never a consideration of what does my body need to function optimally? And it was, and from the mind-body perspective, it was never coming from a place of love. It was never coming from a place of nourishment. It was coming from a place of self-hate, which is what I see so many women go through. Um, it's what I see kind of perpetuated by media and society. And it breaks my heart, you know, that in some ways we, I want to say not to trigger anyone when I say we do this to ourselves, but we don't know. We don't know what we're doing. Um, when we're depriving ourselves so much of nutrition, of rest, of um, feeling emotionally healthy, right? Of, um, you know, the correct type of movement for our bodies and not overdoing it. We're really, we're hurting ourselves. So that's a huge motivation for me as well, is just women being able to understand that they're worth it, they're important in that, you have to come from a place of wanting to heal. Wow. Right. Not wanting to punish. Yeah. Uh, you said that so beautifully. And it's interesting because it resonates for me, even though I, my whole story was almost on the opposite end of the spectrum. I was just always the really thin girl. So I was like, I could eat whatever I want. It doesn't matter. I don't need to nourish myself. I don't care about the macro or the micronutrients or think about what's going to help my body function best either, because it doesn't matter. I'm skinny. And that you know, was working for me up until it really didn't work for me. And I had trouble getting pregnant and started realizing like, Hey, my body's covered in eczema and I need sleeping pills to go to sleep, even though I'm only 22 years old, like what's going on here. Um, and it's just, it's so true. Like we unfortunately are just not taught how to properly care for ourselves. I think it starts when we're young and then it plays out in all these different phases throughout a woman's, a woman's life cycle. And I know one thing that you are really passionate about talking about is, you know, the pregnancy postpartum period and how women can get malnourished through that period. And I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really passionate about this because like you, I also, you know, work with a lot of women who are in that pre 
pregnancy phase and that unexplained infertility. And that's a huge um, issue for so many women. But what I often see is this fall off of um, serving women who now have gone through a pregnancy and now they're like, like, okay, but what do I do? What do I do now? So I have the baby. <laughs> I'm one year, two years, three years into postpartum. But now um, I'm fatigued. Maybe I have a new thyroid issue that I didn't have before. Maybe my hair is still falling out three years later. Um, you know, maybe I'm experiencing insulin resistance or unexplained weight gain that I just can't seem to get rid of. And then society and social media is coming in and saying, well, that's normal. And even doctors, right, are coming and saying, that's normal. You're a mom now. So, you know, that's just moms. That's what they have to deal with. They have to feel horrible. They have to not sleep. They have to not feel great in their bodies. And um, that's just absolutely not true. And it's preventable, but it's also something that you can reverse when it starts to happen and when you recognize it. And I'm a really big fan of the work of a doctor. He's an Australian doctor named Oscar Serlak, who started to coin this term postnatal depletion. So he saw, he's been a doctor for so many years working with women. He saw this trend of women with children between the ages of zero to about seven coming to him and seeing suddenly these huge shifts in their health. Suddenly they're so fatigued all day um, even mood issues, right? Thyroid issues, um, hairs falling out, skin issues, digestive issues. And he noticed, okay, this is being traced back to a lot of certain nutrients that are depleted in pregnancy that have not been replenished in the postpartum period. And this happens so often nowadays in our Western culture where there's like this balance back culturally okay get back into your routine get back into your diet don't rest right so what happens is we're not resting enough we're not emotionally cared for enough and then we're not oftentimes getting the nutrients we actually need from our diet to recuperate everything that was used in a pregnancy and this becomes even more common when we then have like two can you get even more specific on the nutrients that get depleted in pregnancy, because I know this is obviously multifactorial and there's, you know, the reality of you're not sleeping when you have a newborn. Listen, I have my baby's 11 months today and um, he still doesn't sleep through the night. So like, that's just a reality of my life right now. It is what it is. I'm still breastfeeding and you know, okay, that is what it is. But in terms of you know, let's say outside of like the demands of motherhood, not to mention, you know, I have listeners all over the world, but a lot are in the US where there's no mandated maternity leave. So they're going back to work after six weeks. I mean, I didn't feel ready to go back and I had like a 20 week maternity leave and it was still hard, but to go back after six weeks, like how can these, you know, then you're, you're dealing with work and the baby's up at night and you're trying to just and do all the laundry. Cause there's so much laundry that comes with the baby. Like there's so many pieces to it, but just honing in on the nutrient piece, what is actually getting depleted for women in pregnancy and, and why? Yeah, absolutely. So there's several nutrients that can get depleted. Um, some of the biggest offenders we see are iron, right? There's a huge amount of iron required, especially in the third trimester, 
So this is a big one that we often see going into postpartum as well. Um, a huge one that I think a lot of that gets a little bit less attention are, are omega threes. Mm-hmm. So um, these nutrients are very, very necessary for brain health. And they're also necessary for the development of the brain, the growing brain of the fetus, the baby. So the body ultimately decides to favor the development of the baby over the mother. And because of that, if you don't have a sufficient intake of omega-3 fatty acids, that will actually be stripped away from your brain. So when we look about the research that's starting to link this to even things like postpartum depression and anxiety, it makes a lot of sense because you're getting, many women are not getting much omega-3 unless they're supplementing. Um, And then that's being stripped away through the pregnancy. And then they go into this postpartum period where there's higher physical demands, there's breastfeeding. So of course the brain, the mood is going to suffer because of that. So that's a huge one. That's a huge one. Right. And then that's like also combined with the work and the stress and the sleepless nights. But I love that you highlighted the omega-3s and iron. And I'm curious, do you recommend having these things through food or through supplements? Is there a way to prevent these nutrients getting depleted postpartum? Yeah, absolutely. So it is great when people are able to do work, you know, even pre-pregnancy, because sometimes they can kind of get ahead of themselves and they can boost up these nutrients like pre and during pregnancy. But of course, that's not always the case. Sometimes we don't have these realizations until that postpartum period. So in that case, it depends right on your level of depletion. So what I see for a lot of people is omega-3s particularly seem to be pretty hard for people to get, um, especially when they're depleted, like up to that level where they need to be on their own. I do see a lot that just because looking at people's levels, it's one where a lot of people need supplementation um, to kind of get up to that level where they want to be or where they're feeling their best, we could say. Now, iron is one where I see more, there's more of that potential that most people can get it from their diet. They just have to start being more intentional about what sources they're getting that from and realize that postpartum, they're going to have more of that need. So that's where it kind of comes down to the nutrient itself. And then I guess if you're working with a nutritionist or some sort of practitioner in this area, that's where it's kind of cool because you have the opportunity to look at your own personal kind of lifestyle diet, and then maybe even testing of nutrients to see, well, where could you do like as much as you can dietary wise? And where are those points where maybe you do just need to supplement because it's going to be really hard for you to, unless you're going to go like completely in and, um, you know, eat so many of these really small uh, fish that have the high omega threes per week, which there are people who do that, but a lot of people, I would say like 90% of my clients supplement with that one. Yeah. That makes sense. Like I wish I ate sardines, but I'm just like, Nope, that's not what I'm willing to do. Like there's a lot I'm willing to do in certain things. I'm just like, Nope. (laughs) It's not worth it. Yeah, exactly. But you do get those people like, no, it's okay. I'll eat sardines. Like, okay, you go for it. Yeah. You, you eat your sardines. That's awesome. So (laughs) yeah, everyone has their own deal. (laughs) 
Okay. So you're saying for a lot of people, it's a combination of through their diet as well as through supplementation. Are there any things that you feel like women should be looking out when it comes to these kinds of supplements? Cause I feel like, especially with omega-3 supplements, there are, there's a really, really big scale in terms of quality. Whereas maybe certain other vitamins, like maybe a vitamin Z, you know, you kind of, kind of get what you sign up for. But with omega-3s, there's like a huge, huge range of of quality and the actual types of fatty acids in there. So is there anything that you recommend for people to look for? Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So I think omega-3s, because they have become more kind of recognized by the media or however you want to say that, it's become kind of a marketing thing for a lot of these supplement companies that aren't even very scientifically based. And that is especially important when we come to the question of omega-3s, because the way they're processed could make them actually more inflammatory um, and kind of not give you those benefits, or it could, you know, be correct and give you those benefits. So that's where you do want to be careful um, with where you're going uh, supplement-wise. And I would say just starting off, I've seen a bunch of these omega-3s where you look at the back, they don't actually have any specific information about the contents of the supplement in it. They just say it's omega-3 and it's this is the quantity. They don't tell you what type of fish it's coming from. They don't tell you the ratio of what type of fatty acids it has within it. Um, So that's a red flag right off the bat. If you see that and there's none of that information, it's like, sorry, that's not the supplement for you. Right. Generally, you do want to at least get um, one where you have that information And then there are certain cases where you want to look even more, you want to look deeper at the ratio um, of EPA to DHA and the omega-3 fatty acids and dig in deep as to what would best serve you because there are certain circumstances where you would need a little bit of more of one or the other. Okay. That's super, super helpful. Um, cause I think also, especially with the supplement industry now, people are like, I don't even know where to turn. What am I looking for? And especially when it comes to quality and sourcing, it's funny what you said, like some places they won't even mention it, but usually if a company sources really well, they're bragging about it. They're like, look, this is where we source our fish. This is exactly how much, you know, DHA for, for people who, who don't know, it's much harder to get DHA from our diet. So usually that's really what's missing for people. And it's usually more expensive in supplement form. So Right. Well, that's another thing people don't realize. They're like, let me try to save money on the supplements. They're all kind of the same. They're all omega-3s and you don't realize, no, there's a reason why some of them are much more expensive, but then there's also lemons out there. So it's, it's definitely tricky. I'm curious for some of our listeners who maybe have had a baby in the last year or two, what are some common signs of postnatal depletion? Like would somebody know that they have it. And I feel like it's also a little hard to distinguish when, you know, you're just like living the typical postpartum mom life. Yeah. And I do think one important thing about postnatal depletion to point out is that it's not something that's confined to six months or one year postpartum. It's something that could still come into play. Really what, you know, this isn't an official medical kind of diagnosis at this point or anything like that. But really what people are saying is usually it's from zero to seven years after the birth that we see the effects, but it could even be more. So just keeping that in mind that we could be um, feeling this way, you know, three, four, five, six years after, and that could be traced back 
to these kind of types of deficiencies and things. Wow. Seven years is a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's, I think it's so important because you have moms who have like a five-year-old and maybe now suddenly they've gotten a diagnosis of hypothyroidism and they're having, um, you know, a complete lack of energy. Maybe they're having new symptoms of anxiety and they're thinking, well, there's, you know, there's no way this could be some postnatal issue because I went through that five years ago. But when we do the health history and we do this deeper discovery, we realize, oh, actually, that was kind of the breaking point for your body where it's kind of like the straw that broke um, the camel's back, they say, or whatever that saying, where maybe you were able to get by with the nutrient stores you had before, but this pregnancy just took up too much. And then that's the point that could have pushed a woman into like hypothyroidism, for example. I think it's so interesting because I'll have people come to me, you know, after they've had two or three kids or something. And they're like, why am I now all of a sudden having trouble getting pregnant? I'm trying for my third. I'm trying for my fourth. And women are like, how could this even be possible? How could it be possible? Obviously I'm capable of getting pregnant. And a lot of times they'll come to me with very irregular cycles. And they're like, I've been regular my whole life. What is happening? And so I would just love to hear you talk more about like what what kinds of conditions can also develop. I don't know if it's because of the postnatal depletion, but I know let's say postpartum thyroiditis is so, I forget what the exact number is, but you're much more likely to develop a thyroid issue postpartum. And that can affect your cycles. That can affect your ability to get pregnant again. But women don't know about that. So I feel like it's, it hits them and it's really unexpected for them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's probably one of the biggest ones is issues with the thyroid, whether it's clinically diagnosed levels of hypo or Hashimoto's, um, or it's, um, more subclinical where it's like, you're kind of heading in that direction, but you're not necessarily there yet. It's one of the biggest things I see, but is it the only symptom? No, you know, you can also just have, um, newfound symptoms of, extreme, like what we would categorize as chronic fatigue. So it's fatigue that's not really making sense according to your lifestyle. So obviously in that first like six months with the baby, and even sometimes after you can have that extreme fatigue just from the sleep schedule. And that makes sense. Um, But where it comes, where you're starting to get better sleep, but you're not recovering and you're exhausted all day. And another big part of this we see is like mood-based symptoms. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think this distinguishing the postnatal depression with depletion is really important because I see women all the time where it's like, I know it's not, you know, postnatal depression, postpartum depression or postnatal depression. You know, I'm not like wanting an antidepressant. It's not that I'm feeling these depressive symptoms, but it's just that I suddenly have this anxiety that I can't explain I'm not feeling um, maybe joy that I used to feel. So it's kind of this line where, and a lot of times a woman identifies this within herself. She's like, it's not depression, but there's something there where the mood has also shifted, right? Um, So I would say fatigue, mood are huge ones. And then the hormonal piece you mentioned, because thyroids are hormone Um, our female hormones change. And I also see a huge uptick in insulin resistance and blood sugar issues post-pregnancy. And that's because our hormones, they kind of all work together. 
So when we're going through these huge shifts, pregnancy and into postpartum, and we don't have necessarily that proper nutrient stores and all of that to support, we can set ourselves up for a little bit of hormonal chaos postpartum. And then there's never that recovery time to get those guys back into check. So that's where you get the secondary infertility four years down the lane. I want to have another baby. Wait, I suddenly have PCOS and I suddenly can't get pregnant. What's happening? Yeah, that makes so much sense. I'm curious also, do you see, you know, this whole craze of like people trying to bounce back after pregnancy playing a role in this or like this almost race of trying to lose the the baby weight? Is any of that playing a role in this postnatal depletion? Yeah, I think absolutely. Because that's just something that's honestly, if you think about the history of humanity, that's something that's really new. You know, if you think about, um, you look at the traditional cultures around the world and you look at kind of these histories of what they did postnatally, it was nothing about trying to lose weight. It was exactly the opposite. It was giving this woman a period of absolute rest, absolute nourishment with extremely um, detailed nourishment plans and absolute emotional support, right? And this could be anywhere from a month to several months. And now, especially in Western cultures, we have this idea that's completely the opposite. It's like, oh no, how fast can you get back to your normal? Um, Instead of focusing on nourishing, let's focus on cutting so we can get back to our weight. How fast can we get back to exercising? Um, So if you just think about that ideologically, that shift, that's huge. And that's definitely not going to serve us in the long term for hormonal balance. So I 100% see that. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Honestly, when you were just saying that, there was like a little piece of my heart that broke thinking just about all these new moms who, what we're supposed to do and what we've really evolved to have is so much support around nourishing ourselves and nourishing, you know, like our physical and emotional health after, because also just becoming a mom, going through the experience of birth is so emotional. It's like such a massive identity shift. And I know that there are so many women out there who are probably listening to this and be like, I did not have anything close to that kind of support. And I know also a lot of my listeners are based in the US where there's not even, you know, mandatory maternity leave. So depending on some people's work situations, they might have that time to rest and recuperate. They might have really good support, but a lot of people don't have that built into their communities. They don't have it built into their work schedule. And, you know, it's we just like we just didn't evolve to give birth and enter motherhood this way. No, no, exactly. 100% agree with everything you said. And it's so sad. And I think you touched on another important piece there, which, you know, when I talk about um, working with clients in postnatal depletion, yeah, there's a huge focus on nutrition and um, our gut microbiome and all of this stuff. But there's also this huge piece of this emotional transformation that I think gets kind of thrown under the table a little bit. Like it's not really um, focused on, especially postpartum, you know, like, okay, well, you went through the pregnancy, we gave you your baby shower. Okay. Figure it out. And it's like, this is an identity shift. And when you're already not sleeping, you're already maybe depleted of nutrients and all of this stuff. And then not having a strong emotional support system that's a huge stressor on your mind and body as well. 
you know, and it breaks my heart just to think about um, what so many women go through in that sense. Yeah. And I, I know you said there's a distinction between the specific postnatal depletion and postpartum depression. Right. I'm sure there's also an interplay of when your body is just struggling to function the way it should, it makes it, I'm sure, easier for postpartum depression to develop. Um, you know, as is, they say like a bunch of the risk factors are things like not having that support, not being able to rest, not sleeping well. And I remember I read somewhere like, I forget which culture it was that they tried to have the woman be horizontal for 30 days after birth. And I was like, right. I'm going to try to do that. And I remember after my daughter was born, I really was like in bed and I had a very easy birth. Thank God I had a really tough pregnancy, but I felt amazing postpartum. And my doula was like, I don't care. You, you stay in bed. You're going to wait a month till you're like out and about. And she said a lot of the people who also end up getting hurt are the people who feel like they're ready to bounce back and run around and do errands and be out pushing the stroller. And they really should be waiting like at least a couple of weeks to give their body time to heal. And they they don't even know that because they feel like they had such an easier birth or an easier time postpartum. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just speaks to this um, urgency culture we live in and this kind of um, idea we've really been taught since we were so young, which is like, if you're not productive, if you're not, that you're not doing something important, you're not doing something valuable. And it's not easy to work yourself out of that mindset. Um, but in this period, it's so, so essential of not looking at this question of like productivity, but looking more at restoration and rest as being the most productive and important thing you could actually do. And that's in the initial stages. And I think that's, you know, it's a good point too, that even beyond those initial stages of postpartum, you, you know, rest, 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 rest. We can talk so much about nutrients and all these hormonal and microbiome shifts, but if we're not allowing ourselves to rest, that's an issue as well, even if it's five years down the line. Wow. Yeah, I agree so much. If you had to give three tips to, let's say like a pregnant mom right now who didn't give birth yet, but she's, you know, it's coming soon and she knows she's about to go through this postpartum situation. She's listening to this. What advice would you give to someone in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. Three tips, you know, okay. So let's divide it up into kind of three categories, right? I would say those three categories could be, um, nutrition, they could be the nervous system or emotional, however you want to frame that. And then maybe the third category could be relationships and community. Um, so I'll go through that. And I think so with the nutrition, uh, if you have the opportunity to work with a nutritionist that you trust, that's amazing, right? I think I would totally take advantage of that. Um, if you don't, what I would focus on is getting your foundations of like, really, are we eating three meals that are kind of a balanced plate? Like does each meal have a healthy protein source, have a good serving of fiber and have um, a good carbohydrate source as well, because we are growing a baby um, and a little bit of healthy fats mixed in. So we're getting that. We are taking a pre prenatal vitamin that is um, very high quality 
And there's a lot of details of what that could mean, but I would really investigate deeply the companies where you buy your prenatals about the type of research they use, the type of philosophy, and go deep on that, as well as the omega-3s during pregnancy. I'm a huge fan of those, right? Couldn't give you medical advice because you'd have to check always with your doctor, but it's usually safe and something you want to do um, during pregnancy. So those nutritionally, I feel like if you start with those really strong bases and habits, you set yourself up for success, right? Um, the nervous system and emotional thing is something you can start working on before you get pregnant, during pregnancy, at any moment, postpartum, any moment you can start working on this. And it doesn't always have to be like finding a psychologist or something like that, because that can kind of feel like an obstacle for some moms. Okay, when am I going to go to a psychologist? I don't have the extra funds. You know, I don't find one that works for me, right? So it doesn't even have to be that. It could be starting with a simple breathing practice. It could be um, some prenatal yoga classes, whatever it is. There's so many resources even online now, but tending to that part of making sure your body, you feel safe in your pregnancy um, and that you're taking a time to check in with yourself each day and be still and really understand like, how is my body in this? Is it naturally kind of feeling anxious and overwhelmed or is it able to kind of level out? How can I help it? And slowing down our breath is amazing. And working with the breath is something I work on with a lot of my clients. Um, and then that third piece of our relationships and our community, however that looks like for you, I think it's just important to not underestimate the power of having those um, people where you can have a conversation when you're just not feeling like yourself or it's a hard day where you can have people where you feel like, look, you need to ask them for help around the house. I mean, that's amazing. And even for some people, if it comes down to spending a little bit extra money to have someone clean the house once a week, I mean, I know it can be hard, but that can be life-changing for some moms, just knowing that um, they have that support that they don't have to do everything, right? That someone's going to be there and bonus points if that person can support you emotionally as well and be um, emotionally present for you and, and a great ally. That was so helpful. I feel like that's really going to help so many women. And it just reminds me, like I started thinking back to almost a year ago, because my baby's almost one. Um, I think I was like 38 weeks pregnant and I was like, oh my gosh, we're, we need to get cleaning help because I just like, how am I going to do this with two kids? And honestly, I do a lot of like nervous system regulation stuff. I promise it does more for my anxiety to have someone else help me with all the laundry and the never ending toddler and baby mess than any breath work or meditation. It really does help. And another thing that, again, I think this is really dependent on like where you live and what your situation is, but where I live, we do have like minimum three month maternity leave that's paid by the government. And we have up to six months where they have to hold your job. So most people opt to take either three months paid or up to six months unpaid. And when I gave birth, three of my really close friends were also on maternity leave and we'd get together all the time. And mm -hmm. I remember wow. it was something I realized like, oh, I've underestimated this because 
my first postpartum experience was COVID. I was not getting together with anyone and I was fine. But to get together with other new moms specifically who like they understood it and they were going through the same things with the sleep and the diapers. Like I, I really remember feeling like this in and of itself is so healing to just be in like the sisterhood with these other mothers. And I think that's also something that I wish more women could find. And I, I'm sure there are places like you have to maybe look a little harder now online. There are so many ways to connect to other moms, but I would agree with you, especially if you're someone who you're like me and you think, oh, I'm good. I don't need that kind of like lovey-dovey support. It really don't underestimate it because it goes a long way. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it looks different for everyone. You know, it's like, like you said, it's going to be different depending on where you live. And if you're close to people, you know, you might be in a new community, you don't know a lot of people, but find something that just keeps you um, in that kind of network of other moms or other women, I think is really important. And that's where I've even seen um, for those people who do like go a little bit deeper on this question and they invest in kind of like a, a group nutrition program or a coaching program, that relationship also can be very therapeutic. Or for some people, it's like a personal trainer um, or for some people, it's like a psychologist and whatever it is, it's just like this constant person in your life who maybe you're seeing like once a week or you're talking to with messages and that gives you this little kind of just like connection and outlet, which I think is really helpful for some people as well. I agree so much. And I'm just going to throw this out there because I know this is something that I've struggled with a lot in the past. It's very hard for me to justify investing in these kinds of things for myself, even though I like, I really stand for it. And I've seen how you cannot invest enough in your health, but I see specifically with moms, they are running to invest whatever their baby needs. The baby needs like a, a wipe warmer. I don't care if it's $500 or whatever. Like they'll, people will buy, you know, the, the most expensive stroller and they'll do this like nursery interior design that could be so expensive. And like, you know, whatever, everyone's going to do what works for them. But like, those were things I literally put zero effort into. Cause I was like, my baby just doesn't care what color the walls are. The baby mm -hmm. doesn't care about the interior design of the room. That stuff is not my thing anyways, but like if you could think about, okay, you know, you have a finite amount of money and some of the things that you're going to end up buying are just like baby things that the baby could use for two or three months. Like, could you borrow it from someone? Could it not be the most high-end stroller or crib or whatever and put some of that towards your own recovery yeah. or your own support and it's, this is hard for people to do. I think this is one of the most common blocks that moms have. Think about how quickly you'd be willing it, willing to do it for your kid and use yeah. that feeling and motivation to, to know that like you also, you deserve that support. And that's also great for your baby. Like a healthy mom is the best thing for your baby. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's so, so true. And that's true at any phase of your child's life. Because I love working with moms. I work with so many moms in different phases. And I that's the one thing, like they're so gun-ho and they know they want to do something like a coaching program or whatever it is. And then they'll just be have that pause, that guilt almost of, oh, but I can't spend this money on myself. And the number one thing that I love hearing from my clients, and I also see them being the most enthusiastic about is the impact them going through these health changes 
has on their kids and their mood and their relationship with their spouse or their kids. I mean, it's amazing. And I love hearing that because it's so true. Like, and I've realized that as a mom too, if you don't invest in yourself and what you need and you're pouring from an empty cup, it's not going to be good for anybody. It's not going to be good for you. If you have a spouse or a partner, it's not going to be good for your relationship. It's not going to be good for your kids. They much rather have a happy mom than the latest stroller or the latest um, Nikes or whatever it is, right? I can 100% guarantee you. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think this is, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I do think it's easy to hear this stuff of like, easy for you to say, or yeah, but like, you don't understand all this stuff is so expensive. And I hear this from women literally all the time who I'm like, okay, but you're prepping to have this baby. I know you're so nervous to invest in, let's say like nutrition coaching for your fertility, but what's your plan when you need to get a stroller? And they're like, oh, well, of course I'm going to buy this stroller. I'm like, okay. So, you know, like just be honest about where you're at and really think about if that reflects your values. And um, I do, I think it's helpful that we're, we're talking about this and bringing it to the table. Cause I think it's important for women to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And however that looks like for the person, but exactly like you said, just saying, what really is being honest with yourself about your priorities at the end of the day and saying, if my priority is really to be um, the best parent, the best mom, the best version of myself, what would I need to do that? And you do need to be healthy. You do need to have proper nutrition, proper mental health support, emotional support. Um, and then your own passions and your own desires need to be tended to as well. So the best way to do that, whether it's through coaching or whether it's through some program you do or, you know, whatever it is, but do something because if not, you're going to regret it. Yeah. I, I love that. Hensel, thank you so much for all the information you've shared. Where can people find you? What's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, I think right now, um, the best way is through Instagram. So my handle is just my name, Kendall, um, K-E-N-D-A-L-L, two L's, <laughs> underscore Hitch, H-I-T-C-H. Um, website is, link is on there as well, although it is going through a little bit of a, a remodel. Um, so it's on and off for now, but that's a great way to get in contact. And thank you so much for having me on. I love having these discussions, especially with other women who are just working in this field and just really are passionate about helping women feel seen, helping them really learn how to deeply take care of themselves, because I think that's how, you know, really we change the world and we make the world a better place is starting with ourselves. Totally. I always say like, if we really want to change the world, it starts with moms, especially like moms run the world. We're raising the next generation. And I just, I appreciate your knowledge that you've shared. And I hope this helps a lot of women. We're going to link up all your info in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to the About Health and Hormones podcast. If you loved today's episode, I would love to know. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so I can make this podcast even better for you all. I would love to connect with you. Follow me on Instagram at Lauren Allen Nutrition or head to my website, www.laurenallennutrition.com 
to learn about my coaching programs and stay up to date on all of my latest workshops and courses. I am so glad you are here today and I wish you all health and happiness.